month of November. The mundane, the sacred, and the profane. Oh, my. <laughs> really? That is, that, that's the title. Got it from Centers for Spiritual Living. That is the theme for the month. And, and last week, we talked about no sacred cows, right? That we have to pick and choose. We have to resonate with what we... Uh, with the truth as we understand it. Over 3,000 different kinds of Bibles, right? I mean, which one, <laughs> the authentic one? You know, there really isn't at this point. We talked all about that last week. And so this week I wanted to go back to this idea that the mundane, the sacred, and the profane are still all one. They're all one. Because in the first core concept of, of the science of mind and spirit, God is all there is, right? That's the first thing that we know. <laughs> Not Jeb's a millionaire. The first thing we know is God is all there is, right? We believe that we all emanate from one thing. We're made of the same stuff as spirit. We all exist in spirit. Everything is one thing. It has created everything out of itself, never getting absorbed by its creations. So it is, it is imminent and transcendent. It stands within all of life and outside at the same time. It is forever expanding. It is energy. It is self-aware. This is what we believe to be true in the science of mind and spirit, that everything is God. Everything is an outpicturing of the one thing. Right? And in physics, you'd say it's all, it's all energy. Wouldn't you? I mean, it would, it's all energy. We know this. Right? That's what they say. Never trust atoms. They make up everything. Right? <laughs> So, so we know that God's all there is. God is all there is. And if you don't like the word God, you can substitute anything, right? I know that there are plenty of other, so, you know, we can call it source or first cause or, you know, the ground of all being, whatever you want to call it if you're not comfortable with the word God. But what we know is that it's all that same thing. God, you could even say good, Right? Emma Curtis Hopkins used to, she would use those, both those words, you know, God is the good we can all agree on. Uh, we are all, we all move toward our good. So you can use the word good. And if you look at all of the world's religions, you find God is the one thing at the basis of all of them. God is the good that all major religions agree upon. Now, Ernest Holmes did that work for us, thank God. <laughs> right? He, 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 these basic principles of religious science were, um, were, you know, Ernest Holmes' work, which was um, going through all of the major religions. And what he did was he gleaned from them all of the similarities of all the world's major religions, and he created the science of mind and spirit. These basic principles that we study here, right, they are the same throughout all of the major religions. You know, it's only when we start putting policies and procedures and rules and rituals around our spiritual beliefs do we then begin to differ, right? But at the base, base of all major religions is the one thing, God. That's it, right? It is the how part that begins to separate us. How do we observe? How do we practice? How do we worship? That's when things start to fall apart. That's when we start to differ. That's where the divisiveness comes in. That is the illusion of separation. Right? In Hinduism, 
The majority of Hindus believe in one supreme being, Brahman, the ground of all being, the ultimate reality. And all of their gods are, are aspects of the one. Judaism, God is first cause, creative power, uh, the only God, right? God is one, omnipotent. God is all-powerful, omnibenevolent. God is all-loving. But that is the basis. Christianity, monotheistic concept of God, which is both eminent and transcendent existing within this world and outside of it at the same time, outside of space and time. You see how kind of we're all believing really the same God. We all believe in the same God. In Buddhism, belief in God is not even necessary to attain enlightenment. I think of it more of a philosophy than a religion, whatever, right? I think of, I think of the science of mind and spirit more as a philosophy as well. And in Islam, belief in one God that created the universe and has power over everything in it. The Sikhs believe there is only one, genderless and eternal. That's lovely. The indigenous people's religion, God is experienced as an all-pervading reality, worshipped as all-powerful, all-knowing creator or master spirit. Zoroastrianism, which is probably the oldest religion known to humanity, the oldest monotheistic religion, have, it, it, it has its origins in ancient Persia. It believes in the one true God, Ahura Mazda, which represents goodness and light and truth, and, and it is in conflict with Angra Mainyu, the representation of evil, darkness, and deceit. Hmm, starting to sound familiar? <laughs> Where do you think we got it from? God and the devil battling for the soul of humanity. And in this corner we have, right? This is where we got it from. We got it from one of the oldest religions on the planet. The idea of heaven and hell and judgment day and the final revelation of the world and angels and demons all originated with Zarathustra's writings. Those teachings made their way into other religions of that area at that time. I mean, even Jesus referred to hell, <clears throat> but he called it Gehenna, which was actually a landfill outside of the city. It, I swear to God, in the Hinnom Valley, it was a dump. It was the city dump where the people, you know, hauled their trash outside. And, and you know, I had to look it up for myself because I wanted to, oh look, and I even got a picture of it. Look, there it is. There's the Hinnom Valley today, right? So if anybody starts talking to you about hell, you'll say, I've seen it. <laughs> there it is, right? That's hell. I mean, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. <clears throat> he talked about it as if you decide not to be a follower of the way. If you are not following the principles he was teaching, that's where you're going to wind up. So what he's saying basically is if you're not following this teaching, you're throwing your life away. You're just throwing your life away. That's a city dump, right? You're just throwing it away. No lake of fire, no eternal torment, no flames, no brimstone. You're just throwing your life away like trash if you don't follow the, the principles. You're just wasting your life. That's really what he was saying. 
In the beginning, it's all God. It's just all God. And we try to explain it every which way we can, and we get caught up in our own <laughs> explanations. Ernest Holmes said, spirit is all. That's it. Spirit is all. There's nothing else but itself. All-inclusive, everywhere, infinite. This all spirit could not have had the impulse to move if it were not self-conscious. Therefore, the spirit that is the power knows of itself. That's very important, right? It is accordingly all-knowing as well as all-present. And we talk about that, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Knowing everything, being everywhere at once, and being all-powerful. God, as simple and complex as that. Simple when we go back to the beginning, God is all there is. Core concept one, yay. As complex as humanity creates rituals around it. We create practices, we create regulations on how we can observe, how to be a good whatever, fill in the blank, right? Now, Ernest Holmes said, I don't believe in hell. I love that about us. <laughs> he said, I don't believe in hell, the devil, damnation, or any future state of punishment. God does not punish people. There is, however, a law of cause and effect, which governs all and automatically punishes impartially and impersonally when we are in conflict with essential harmony. He goes on to say, heaven and hell are states of consciousness in which we live now, according to our own state of understanding. And in the long run, we will all be saved from ourselves through the discovery of our own divine nature. This is the only salvation necessary, and indeed it is the only one that can really be. The self lifts the self by the self. This is what we do. In religious science, we believe it's all God. It's core concept one in our teaching. God is all there is. We say it all the time. God is all there is, right? An all-pervasive energy which knows of itself in form and all the form in the universe is that, right? God's not a personality. God is a principle. God's not an old man with a long white beard sitting up on a cloud punishing some, rewarding others, depending on how he feels when he got up off the cloud that morning. Right? Not mean, not vengeful, not angry, not jealous, like we all learned when we were little. Not needing anything, like our adoration and our worship. No, God is simply love. God is love. Ernest Holmes said this, he said, I give thanks to the God that is, that the God that is thought to be isn't. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. That core concept one, right? The one we refer to most of the time. The one I talk about most of the time when up here. God is all there is. What is there to worry about? We are an emanation of God. We are surrounded by God. We are immersed in God. We breathe God in. We live our lives through God. God's got our back. What's there to be afraid of? Actually, you know, we have 10 core concepts. I know I don't usually talk about all 10 of them, but, but the first three are kind of important. God is all there is. 
Then the core concept two, it is triune in nature, which means the three major aspects of spirit are the seed, soil, plant. We talk about that all the time. It's three aspects of being. God, God's aspect as the thinker, then as the receptive medium, the thought is immersed into, and then the product that results, the manifestation in the physical world, which is the result. So those are the three. The other seven really expand on uh, those concepts to explain further how we get to use it, right? The divine creative process, and it expands through prayer, and we live in the eternal now, and all of the rest of them are uh, expansions on the theme. But this is what we believe to be true regarding the infinite, that it is the only thing there is. No dogma, no duality, no superstition. When you walk through that door, I don't tell you where you're going to go after you die, <laughs> if you're good or you're bad. And if I ever did, run screaming from the room. <laughs> because nobody knows that Ernest Holmes did a whole chapter on immortality in the book. And you know, it's the only chapter he wrote in the first person, in the whole textbook. Because what he said was, this is what I believe happens to me after I die. You, eh, you're on your own, <laughs> right? He didn't really say that, but he said this is what he believed to be true, but he did not announce it as if this were ultimate truth and I know it and nobody else does, right? He just gave his opinion on what happens to us after we die. Like I said, no rules, no, no uh, regulations, no dogma, no superstition. We don't give you the science of mind textbook and say, here, memorize it, there'll be a quiz later. You know, you must believe everything in it. Even Ernest Holmes himself said, take what you can use, take what you can prove to yourself. Try these principles out, prove them to yourself. What you don't believe in or what you, don't, you can't use, throw away. No dogma, no duality, no superstition. Ernest Holmes didn't believe in reincarnation himself. But he ordained plenty of ministers who did. He was like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine, right? We are open at the top. No duality. God and the devil fighting each other for the soul of humanity doesn't happen. No, no such thing, because there's no such thing as the devil, because God is all there is. No superstition. God does not violate the natural laws that God created right? We're not going to suspend gravity. Nobody's going to float to the ceiling anytime soon. Natural laws have been put in place. My father used to say, live by the golden rule. He was, he was raised um, Dutch reform, and then I think they, they merged with the Methodists at some point. And he used to say, live by the golden rule. Everything else is commentary. <laughs> it's true. Right? When we get to the pure essence of every religion that ever was and ever will be, right? It's God. It's some supreme energy. It's some ground of all being. It's some inexplainable sentient energy. Hmm. Right? When we get to the essence of every religion, we get to love. That's what it is. We get to love. We get to peace. We get to be kindness in the world. When people ask you what you practice, what is the science of mind and spirit anyway? What's your answer? Ah, that's always been one, right, for us to contemplate. What's your elevator talk, right? When someone says, hey, 
what is that science of mind that you practice? And normally what comes out of our mouths is, well, it's not Christian science, and it's, it's not Scientology, and it's sort of like unity, but it's not unity. It's, it's kind of like a philosophy, but it's holy moly. And we go on forever and ever, and people are just like, yeah, you don't have a clue, do you? <laughs> yeah, here's my elevator speech. God is all there is. Love God, love each other, do good work. That's it. Love God, love each other, do good stuff. Right? Be kind, be love in the world. That's it. Tartang Tulku, who is a, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher and author, and I think he was the founder of Dharma Publishing, right, up in Northern California. He said this, beyond the beliefs of any religion, there is the truth of the human spirit. Beyond the power of the nations, there is a power of the human heart. Beyond the ordinary mind, the power of wisdom, love, and the healing energy at work in the universe. When we can find peace in our hearts, we contact those universal powers. This is our only hope. He's right. That, that sounds like a good faith philosophy to have. That sounds like religious science to me. We all seek comfort. We all seek the explanation for life that we can resonate with. We seek, and, and most of us find, thank you, right? A belief system that we can live with, that answers our questions to our satisfaction and can provide support for us in times of challenge and can uplift us in times of celebration and can unite us with the, with the unity of all life. And we all seek and find that faith philosophy that answers that for us. And regardless of which faith philosophy we wind up aligning with, it's all God. It's all God. I think we are here because we found the science of mind and spirit to answer our basic questions of life, to answer our own basic uh, uh, cosmology, our life. Right? The answers to our life and, and the universe and our place in it. And I think that's why we're here. Because we've found this as our answer that comforts us. And I found this quote about religious science and I could not cite it. So I don't know who said it. It was originally attributed to Ernest Holmes, but I cannot, I can't find whether or not it's absolutely true. But I love the quote and I will find out who said it eventually. <laughs> The philosophy of religious science is nothing new to the world. It is rather a synthesis of the greatest concepts which have ever come into the mind of humanity. The law of Moses, the love of the Christ, the ethics of Buddha, the morals of Confucius, the deep spiritual realization of the Hindus, the mystical revelations of the saints of the Middle Ages, the laws of parallels and compensation of Emerson, the logic of Kant, the spirituality of Swedenborg, the beauty of Browning, and the wide universal sweep of Walt Whitman all find exalted place in the philosophy of religious science. It's all God. <laughs>